week's episode of the Stephen Perkins program. My name is Stephen Perkins. This is my program. Thank you for joining in. Uh, this week's episode, I want to talk a little bit about why uh, why Macy's uh, really gave me um, a, a scare uh, this holidays, and it had nothing to do with long lines. I'm going to share with you my plan to buy a Tesla. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about this year's top news stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, all the deaths that happened this year, including Harambe, may he rest in peace. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about um, the predictions for next year, of which I have many. Uh, so, but, but first, let me just say, if you are shop or this is more for next year but if 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 you find yourself shopping uh for little little christmas gifts although to be fair i was shopping for myself uh so christmas gifts for yourself either way if you're in the mall uh before christmas really be aware of your surroundings so there i was in the uh shirt and tie department of macy's right classic store supposed to be a great experience and 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 i i'm i'm an innocent human i even rode my bu- my bike to the mall you know reducing my carbon footprint doing my part as a extraordinary human that i am and i go and and i'm just browsing shirts because i need a shirt and I, i'm getting i'm getting a tie uh you know as people do uh and uh, and i'm browsing and i'm not really paying attention to my surroundings mistake number one um and I round the corner and I'm looking at these shirts and I'm trying to decide, you know, which white shirt is more me. And I get approached, really, I, I get ambushed, if you will, by a guy. Let me, let me paint this picture for you. This man has long John Lennon type hair and it is captured in the back with a hair tie. So he's he's going for the for the not slick back, but he's going for the push back, you know, little one one little tail in the back in there. He's wearing or he has we'll, we'll, we'll keep on the face for a moment. He has scruff uh, which is just kind of wrangly if you will. I don't know if 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 that's a word, uh, but wrangly scruff seems about the right description of him. And, uh, and, and he was wearing layers, layers. And let me tell you, it's 75 degrees in Houston, where I'm recording from today. Uh, you don't need layers in 75 degree weather, unless you're an old person. They get cold very easily. They also get hot flashes. It sounds terrible. Anyways, back to the dude. Uh, he's wearing a, a, a t-shirt, a crew neck sweater, and a windbreaker, you know, for all the wind that we have in these parts. And, uh, and I look up and there he is. And, uh, and I, I glance at him for a moment cause I'm not one to stare. Okay. I'm not at an airport. That's where I do my people watching. Certainly not the mall before Christmas. And he says, hi, like in a very, in a very muted voice, he says, hi. And I look up and I say, hi there. And I go back to my my shirt browsing uh, and he says do you know what you're looking at and I said 
I, I think I, I'm look. I'm just looking at shirts, uh, shirts. And he looks at me like I just insulted his mother or his father. I don't know who he's closest to, but he looks at me as if I have just committed some sort of vile act against his very dignity. And he gives me, I mean, he's staring into my soul and I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm trying to look away. I'm trying to focus on my shirt browsing in and out is what I like to do at the store. Get in, get the crap and get out. But he keeps staring and he's looking and it's very clear that, uh, that there's something on his mind. Okay. Hombre has some, has some thoughts of brewing in the head and, uh, and so I look back up and, and I kind of like, hi, you're, you're still here. Uh, and he, he goes, again, looking at me with just wrath in his eyes. And he goes, well, screw it. I was like, this is very aggressive. Way too aggressive. I mean, it's Christmas time. We're supposed to be having a good time. You know, there's children around frolicking around the store, if you will. And he's just like, well, screw it. And he, he, he turns dramatically, like he was a, a damn runway model. He just turns and walks away, violently walks away. But, you know, he's shuffling. He's, he's, it's, it's, like, it's like, imagine Alex Jones with his large, terrible, disgusting body trying to run a marathon. That was him walking away from this situation that he created. And as he walks away, there's a woman walking across the aisles. He runs into this woman, like really puts shoulder. It wasn't like they just collided. He like shouldered her like like a football player does. So I'm told. I don't know. And and she like almost falls. She catches herself. She turns around. She goes, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. Like she was apologizing. And he just looked at her and he turned back and he went and joined his friend uh, at the register. And, you know, people are looking. They're like, what is this guy's problem? He looks weird. So I, I felt so weird. And I, I will be honest with you. The first thought that crossed my mind is this is how mass shootings begin. That I'm going to become a, a victim of a mass shooting at Macy's. I know that's it's probably not the best thought to have. It's probably not, you know, a wholesome happy holidays thought. But that was the thought I had. I was like, he is going, he, he has a short fuse and it's about to, to run out and he's about to explode and I'm going to be dead in the shirt aisle of Macy's. Not the way I want to go out. I'd rather go out like I, I want to knock unconscious as I'm parachuting to the earth. I think that'd be cool. But so the moral of the story is be aware of your surroundings. Don't talk to strangers, especially people with long hair and scruffy appearances, which is maybe judging a book by its cover. I don't really know. Uh, and then the, the third lesson is uh, just don't go out into public. Uh, I, I don't really think it's worth the hassle. I don't think it's worth the, the possible uh, occurrence of death. Uh, I, I really think that, uh, that, that it just makes no sense for people to go out in public and interact with other humans. I've learned my lesson, so that's why I've, I've dedicated the rest of my life to becoming a recluse. Um, okay, so that, that, that really creeped me out because I was like, well, this is, this is going to be, you know, welcome to Houston. Welcome to the weirdest city in the world in terms of just like filth. And, uh, and, and I'm encountered with that. If you're from Houston, by the way, sorry, um, move, I guess. 
So the other story that I have, not so much a story, but I do just want to say I went with my father. Some of you may know him as Bill. I went with him to a new Tesla showroom that opened up uh, here in Houston uh, just at the beginning of this month. They opened up and we went and we looked at the new Tesla or I guess not the brand new Tesla because it's been around for a while. But the Tesla, the the. uh, the the uh, the car and the SUV, which is kind of like a mom SUV. But here's the thing: you've never seen a mom SUV with scissor doors. Like this is this is like airplane doors that just pop up. They don't they don't they don't open up like you're like you're used to on your little on your little Kia Sorento. They pop up like a I don't know like a back like a a future V. I don't I don't know. I don't know the different cars that have like those doors. Uh, but anyway, so they pop up and they're like airplane doors and they're automatic and they're cool. And apparently if you have your leg outside of it, it won't close on your leg. So, you know, technology nowadays. I did not know how cheap the Tesla cars, or I'm sorry, how affordable the Tesla cars have become. So the car uh, is down to like 60,000. The SUV is 80,000. I remember when the Tesla first came out, the car was like $150,000 and now they're down to 60. Uh, And of course they're coming out next year with the one that's about $35,000, which I don't care. I'm a finance it. I'm getting that car. I'm getting a Tesla. Uh, and they're also, they're updating the autopilot, but these cars are magnificent. And it's incredible. They were saying that, uh, you know, it's, it's about a thousand dollars a year for maintenance and the, it, you, you don't have oil changes that the brakes last into a hundred thousand miles because it's actually, uh, I think they call it a regressive braking. So I don't, I don't know what he was saying, but it's this whole idea of like, these cars are amazing and you can take a test drive. And he said the test drive lasts 90 minutes. I'm not sure how you test drive a car for 90 minutes. Like what are you going to, are you going to like take me to, 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 I don't know, Galveston? Are we going to have a beach day? 90 minutes. That's a long test drive. But nonetheless, uh, I, I, I do actually want to test drive one before I leave or when I get back into Dallas uh, because I think it's really cool. Uh, but also the prices have dropped. So I'm just imagining like how more affordable they will be within the next two years. I mean, we could be seeing a Tesla all-electric vehicle that has like 200 I think it was like 215, 230 mile range on a full charge. Uh, we we could see them at like twenty thousand, twenty five thousand dollars within the next couple of years. It's incredible. So uh, just you know, just letting you know, if you want to join the Tesla Club, I I'm looking into it. Uh, so maybe that's my prediction for 2017 as we're going to go later into this podcast. But, uh, but I just thought that was a cool development. Always a big fan of Elon Musk. I will say if Elon's, uh, listening, I know he's a big fan of the show, sir, let's, let's start eating healthier. Shall we? I, I saw you at the reveal of your solar panels and, uh, you know, Hey, I understand that it, that in many cultures, you know, a bigger waistline is a sign of wealth. And I know that you're very wealthy, but my God, let's cut out the carbs, shall we? Because I'm concerned for you, sir. You got to take care of yourself if you're going to continue being the genius that you are. Let's talk about the top stories of 2016. Now, this year, 
I, I think we can all agree this year was a rough year, right? Like a lot of crap happened. Uh, most of it we think bad. There's also a lot of stuff. I was going down this list of top stories of the year and I was like, oh yeah, that happened this year. It, it, it seems like, you know, it seems like as, as quick as this year seemed to go by, I feel like it was just yesterday that the 2016 campaigns were starting in 2015, like Ted Cruz at Liberty University. Remember that? That was... How fun. Uh, and and, and I, so I feel like these things happened, you know, 15 centuries ago, but apparently they happened this year. So I want to run down. I have eight news stories here, and these are kind of, eh, they're positive, negative, neutral. I don't know. I mean, you can make your own determinations, but these are the ones that stood out to me. And I want to talk a little bit about each of them. Uh, just to kind of give kind of some, some, uh, some concluding thoughts, if you will. The first one, and I remember covering this. I remember there was a, a big dis, a big discussion about this, um, and it was when Apple refused to comply with the California judge who said that they had to uh, hack or assist the FBI in hacking into the phone of the San Bernardino gunman. Uh, and if you remember that, this was like a big privacy issue. It was the whole idea of does Apple um, have kind of or, or were they right uh, in their refusal to let the FBI look into this phone? The FBI did not uh, have the warrant that they needed. And so it, it kind of sparked this actually, I think, really brilliant national discussion as, as cringy as that word is national discussion. On, uh, on 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 privacy and on um, and on surveillance and kind of the law enforcement's role within these types of uh, within new technology and it was a really interesting time because you had Apple which is this San Francisco company right or or where are they now Cupertino uh, but Bay Area company and I think what a lot of people think of when they think of California is they think of this very liberal uh, area. Um, the, the Bay Area actually has a lot of libertarian tendencies. You see a lot of these startup founders or a lot of these startup or, or, or technology entrepreneurs who kind of have this capitalist view. Peter Thiel is one that's now, uh, you know, working w within the Trump administration in an unofficial uh, capacity. Um, right. So so I think a lot of people were shocked that Apple would not hand over this information or at least assist the FBI in getting into this phone. And it caused a, a really big discussion for a couple of weeks. And I think it's a notable story because Apple did end up standing their ground. The FBI had to go through uh, an unnamed third party source to get into it. So they did eventually get in, but Apple stood their ground and they set this precedent. I, I really think they led the way within this new technology uh, type of uh, type of era. Well, I mean, we're in an era. God, I sound old. Uh, they, but they really led kind of the way of saying, no, you know, we, the, the government cannot with with. With this new technology, they cannot just just come in and, and, and get whatever information they want. There are things that, that have to be preserved. There's privacy rights that have to be preserved. And so I think that Apple really, um, you know, did the right thing there. And I, I think that was a, a big significant story. Again, it feels like that happened five years ago, but that was actually uh, towards the beginning of 2016. Um, I'm going to skip this one for now because it's actually a celebrity death. And I think you'll be surprised. 
But let's talk about the two, probably the two biggest stories that happened this year. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton became the nominees of their respective parties. Although to say that Donald Trump became the nominee of his respective party is kind of weird because he's actually uh, a Democrat, but he didn't become the Democratic nominee. Funny how he hijacked everything. But he became the Republican nominee. Hillary Rodham Clinton became the uh, Democratic nominee. And that was... Uh, the terrible election that we found ourselves in, I think probably the second worst election uh, behind the election um, of, I don't know, FDR. I think FDR was a terrible move. What were we doing? Uh, it wasn't my fault. The, uh, the, the election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton also, I think, sparked a very important discussion about third-party candidates. And there was this whole uh, ideas uh, of, of is it a binary choice? Should you, quote unquote, waste your vote on a third party candidate? I don't know if I talked about it uh, before. I may have on social media. I, I will say that I ended up voting for Evan McMullen, um, otherwise known as Evan McMuffin. Delicious and nutritious. Uh, I think he would have. I mean, obviously, his chances of winning were like point zero 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 one percent. Uh, so it, it was, it was, some would say a throwaway vote. I would say it was, uh, doing what Ted Cruz told me and voting my conscience, although he doesn't have one. Uh, but what I do think was so, I think the biggest takeaway of the 2016 election, and, and, and there's a lot of different ideas on this, a lot of different views about what is kind of the main thing that we can learn from this election. I think the biggest thing the biggest takeaway, and Caleb Franz has talked about this on his show, Maliberty, but I have said that the biggest takeaway is that we put way too much importance onto the executive branch. I don't think the president or a presidential election should ever be this significant as it was this year. Because what we've done is inflated the influence and the power of the president to where we've made the election of the president into a historic decision. I mean, you hear that every single one. 2008 was a historic direction that will change the direction of our country. 2012, a historic election that will change the direction of our country. 2016, a historic election that will, you guessed it, change the direction of our country. And uh, and quite honestly, I think we've been going in the same direction. So I don't know if elections are actually... but. We, 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 put so, we, we put so much important, especially this year, because we have the most unqualified candidate matched with the most unqualified candidate, both of them Democrats. Again, I don't know how it happened other than like really dumb primary voters. And I think that this is a perfect time, especially with Trump going into power. And I shared some thoughts on this last week about when the person from your party, supposed, uh, is, uh, is, is in power. I think that's the time that it's even more important to challenge power. It's even more important to check the government, to challenge the, uh, or to, to, to check and to balance the power of the executive branch. And I think that next year, and this is kind of going into the prediction part, but next year is a great time for us to heavily scrutinize Trump whenever he steps outside the lines of the Constitution. He's the Republican president. He needs to actually deliver on the conservative idea of staying within the, uh, of, within the Constitution. But we should also say, I, I think it's fair to say, 
that while Hillary Clinton was not my favorite person, she still is not my most favorite person. Actually, I like Hillary the best when she's hiking in the woods of New York. I think those are great pictures. But I will say that that her nomination to be the first female nominee is historic, and we have to right we have to recognize that. I think it was a, a, a tremendous. Um, a tremendous step forward in our national politics that we had a woman candidate, but I but I also don't think that um, I also don't think that that she was qualified because she was a woman. I don't think she was like like to me that was not a, a motivating factor to vote for her or to support her. I mean, I, I right like acknowledge what she did, but at the end of the day, she was a terrible, terrible candidate as were they all even gary johnson who can't even remember aleppo just kidding i didn't even know what aleppo was let's be honest but i'm you know i'm also not a presidential candidate maybe that maybe that's the top news another top news story this year gary johnson um not only forgot what aleppo was but then held his tongue uh during a national interview um in order to i don't know be different be quirky he gary johnson is like the libertarian zoe de chanel except he doesn't do quirky quite as well as she does and that's saying something because she doesn't even do quirky that well good lord zoe return back to your days of 500 days of summer so uh, another thing that happened this year the united kingdom votes to leave the european union uh if you remember the european union uh, david cameron God bless him. I'll be seeing him in January. Dave and I are real tight. Uh, and and now, as a result, or kind of as a result, we have Theresa May as the new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Many of you listening probably don't give a crap about the United Kingdom, but I do. I listen to Prime Minister's questions every Wednesday because it's really an exercise in the most creative way to insult someone without directly insulting someone. In fact, in or during prime minister's questions was when someone was kicked out of the the uh, the uh, parliament hall I don't know what they call it when they were kicked out for calling someone a pipsqueak and they uh, they refused to rescind that word which I think is just the most british thing ever like you're going to get kicked out of your legislative hall because you called someone a pipsqueak I think we've done uh, worse uh, like particularly in the senate um Although, God, would I love to call Ted Cruz a pipsqueak. I'd love to call all senators, except for maybe Ben Sass, uh, a pipsqueak. Or Rand Paul. He doesn't deserve to be called a pipsqueak either. Uh, but anyway, so that got off topic. The United Kingdom voted to leave the European Union. This was historic because it was this kind of first wave of populism uh, in Europe. And it actually, looking back, we didn't... We had some thoughts about this as political scientists, but now looking back, we see that it was actually a really great indication of um, of not just the mood in the United Kingdom, but even the mood in the U.S. And ultimately, the motives were different in the United Kingdom. They voted for or they voted to leave because of different reasons than we voted for Donald Trump. And I say we, not me, we as Americans fun stuff. But what I do think is that it, it, it was this this populism that we've now seen become very mainstream. Angela Merkel in Germany is facing a populist uh, opposition. Um, really, all of Europe is facing a populist um, type of opposition. Even in Canada, they've had changes of leadership there. Their politics is getting real interesting. 
but but really this all kicked off with the United Kingdom voting to leave the European Union. I did not think that it was actually going to happen and neither did any of the top pollsters. Again, sounds familiar to our election, uh, but it, it was definitely one of those things where you had people who, um, I, I think they called it, um, oh boy, I, I, f- I forgot exactly the term that they used, but it's essentially the idea where someone will tell a pollster that they're voting to stay, but when they get into the uh, the ballot box, they they vote to leave, and it's kind of this different. Um, you know, they they change their their mind in there. I don't, you know, and it doesn't surprise me, quite honestly, because you go to the grocery store and you see people wandering around like they're just lost. People wander around like they're lost. They're, I don't think people know what they're going to do until they just do it. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like we plan things anymore. Or at least we don't stick to our plans. Uh, and then, so the uh, so Theresa May becomes the prime minister. Great. David Cameron, gonna miss him. Great guy. Great guy. I will be seeing him. He's coming to Texas, San Antonio, of all places, at the end of January. So I'm going to go see him. I'm going to get a selfie, hopefully. God, if I don't get a selfie, that's going to be a wasted trip. Because I, and, and, and also, if you have a good caption for that selfie, because if you get a selfie with David Cameron, you've got to have a nice caption. Uh, go ahead and tweet me at Stephen underscore Perkins, uh, and uh, maybe you'll see your caption on the gram. And then, so th- this is, uh, I think, another significant story that happened just last week, and it's the biggest load of crap that I've ever seen come out of the UN, aside from like the actual just general founding of the UN. And that is that the UN Security Council approves a resolution calling on Israel to immediately and completely seize all settlement activities in the occupied Palestinian territory, including East Jerusalem. A couple of things about this. First of all, I love, oh, don't you just love the United States leadership on this? Because we just, we stepped back and we were like, well, go ahead, get squashed. Because we actually, uh, through the Obama administration, Samantha Powers, we, 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 we've sent a very clear message that we don't actually... Um, uh, have a commitment to Israel anymore. One of the few things that I'm that I'm kind of excited about for Trump to do is to bolster back up uh, our relationship with Israel. I think that they deserve it. They are kind of a shining light in uh, in a region that is just uh, sad, I guess you could say. And Trump knows about sad. But what I think is also significant is that first of all, you have Russia on this, on the Security Council. Russia, the country that invades other countries for no reason. They, you know, Vladimir Putin just woke up and he was like, you know what? Crimea. Let's invade it. Let's just, let's go in there and do some crap. And then they're going to say, oh, Israel, shame on you. You're occupying lands that belong to a a fake country. It's just the, 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 the most ironic thing that can come out of the U.N. But again, I, I think this underlines the idea that the U.N. is not at all a significant body anymore. When's the last time they've done anything productive? When's the last time that they've actually stopped a conflict? When's the last time that their channels of diplomacy have actually worked? And I'm not saying we withdraw from the U.N. I'm not saying that the U.N. is, is entirely a bad idea. But I, I, I think that, you know, with, with what they've really what they haven't done over the past few years, coupled with this new security resolution calling out Israel for doing nothing, 
uh, really just underscores the idea that the UN is uh, trash, useless trash, kind of like the wrapping paper uh, that you have for Christmas. You know, it's like, well, you know, you could salvage it, but really maybe it's best to throw it away. I don't know. I'm not I'm not promoting any any side here. I'm just saying that they have problems. A lot of people died in 2016. You probably know that. We've all been around. We've all seen the news. Actually, this morning on Twitter, uh, what was trending is people are trying to save Betty White from 2016's wrath. There is a GoFundMe page that was set up to to provide protection for Betty White from 2016 because people think that 2016 is killing all of these people, uh, all of these great people, and they think that Betty White is next, which is messed up. Leave her alone. Like, don't even mention her name. The whole, like, just, I think, someone better knock on wood. I don't have any wood around me. Maybe maybe these blinds back here. But I don't want Betty White to die. So stop talking about her. So, you know, but but there, there have been some people who have died. It's been a sad year for some great people. And I, I, I want to go down the list of people who I cared about. Because a lot of, you know... Oh, Carrie Fisher died. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that a human lost her life, but I don't, I, I never cared about Carrie Fisher. I'm not going to pretend to. Prince lost his life. I don't like his music. So George Michael didn't know he was gay. You know, all these things. It's like, I, I don't, I, I don't know these people. I, I haven't really been affected by them. Uh, but here's the deaths that I cared about this year. The first one, and, and we have to mention this uh, first and foremost, Harambe. All right, you're talking about a a 17-year-old innocent gorilla, 400 pounds at the Cincinnati Zoo, right? Already, already literally quite being tortured because it has to live in Cincinnati. That's like being put in the Des Moines, Iowa Zoo. It's not a fun time. And then they shoot him because because a, a child fell into his territory and he was he was he was acting a little problematic. He's a Damn gorilla. What do you expect a gorilla to do when this small form comes into its hood and, you know, just, what the hell was that? I'm, I'm still not over the killing of Harambe. I really think that, you know, if, if we are pro-life, if we call ourselves pro-life, we have to be pro-life um, even for our 400-pound gorilla friends. And Harambe was a death that we could have prevented. But we didn't, did we? No. The Cincinnati Zoo should forever be ashamed of themselves. Uh, They should, I think, just shut down entirely. I am calling uh, on, on the Cincinnati Zoo to shut down entirely. And I know that the whole zoo listens to this podcast. So I hope they take it seriously. Rest in peace, Harambe. Speaking of other animals who we clearly don't give a crap about, the Harlem deer. You know, never did I think that anything more vile than Bill de Blasio would come out of New York. Then we hear about the news of them killing a deer. And my first immediate thought was, what did that deer ever do to you? The answer, nothing, nothing. And they killed it. So again, I, I think that if, if we're pro-life, we got to be pro-life for the entirety of the animal's life. All right? It's just a damn shame. 
And I'm not some PETA activist. Lord knows I love a good chicken breast. But I'm just saying. It is... I think, you know, I think we will be judged as a society based on how we treat the most vulnerable animals. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? You connecting on this? All I'm saying is that the Harlem deer should have never died. Rest in peace, Harlem deer. I also wish that, that we, we should have named him before he died. You know, we should have named him so we could, instead of just saying Harlem deer, we could, Harambe had a name. Maybe Gerald. Gerald. The Harlem deer's name was Gerald. I've named it. You heard it here first. So rest in peace, Gerald. Uh, now let's go on to actual humans that died. And you notice how I put the humans last because Harambe and Gerald, the Harlem deer, were more important. Nancy Reagan. Oh, Nancy. Oh, girl. My real mom. Nancy was my real mom. Or my real grandmother, I guess. Yeah, Nancy Reagan was my real grandmother. And uh, and she passed away. I didn't get an invite to the funeral. But that, you know, it's fine. It's like, you know, the Postal Service loses mail all the time, I'm sure, is what happened. But Nancy Reagan died. And, uh, and, and I remember that, actually, specifically because CPAC had just ended in Washington, D.C. And I was... God, I remember exactly where I was. I was in the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., with my friend and we were you know viewing this exhibit of of the holocaust and like you know people passed away so i was emotional uh you know because i i don't like death i don't like death and uh especially unjustified death harlem deer so but so i was emotional and i go to check twitter never check twitter when you're emotional let me tell you good stories so I go check Twitter and I see something about Nancy Reagan. I'm like, oh, what's she up to? Turns out she's up to death. She died. And, uh, and it, was a very, it was a very terrible thing. Um, I instantly went to uh, the Google and, uh, and looked up pictures of her because I just had to remember my grandmother um, visually. You know what I mean? So rest in peace, Nancy Reagan. Go with God. John Glenn, the astronaut, in case you don't know. He passed away too. I think that was like last month. Uh, but he li he lived uh, he lived a good life. Went into space. Um, was in Congress. Um, did other things. I don't know his whole life. But John Glenn, rest in peace. Arnold Palmer. Some of you know him as the guy who combined sweet tea and lemonade. Uh, he's also a great golfer. Was a great golfer. My apologies. Rest in peace, Arnold Palmer. Gene Wilder, he played um, Willy Wonka in, of course, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And then this last one really shook me to my core. And I, again, I, I forgot that this one happened this year. It's one that it's like, God, it's been a long year. Rob Ford, Rob Ford, the, uh, the Canadian uh, councilman, mayor. He was a mayor. Yeah, the guy who did. Lots of cocaine, <laughs> like copious amounts of cocaine, more cocaine. I think it's safe to say more cocaine than a human should do. If there's any children listening, that number is zero. You should not do any cocaine. But I'm just saying I did watch an interesting documentary with Rob Ford's uh, sobriety coach, I, I think is the term for it. And he was like, yeah, Rob Ford was messed up. 
but he also gave us some of the best memes of 2016. And he had some killer dance moves. Go and look up those videos. All right, now let's talk. How, how long have we been going for? 35 minutes. Goodness, no one no one cares. Uh, now let's go into some positive news for this year because it wasn't just, it wasn't all death. It wasn't all, you know, electing an orange Cheeto for president. It wasn't all calling out Israel for doing nothing wrong. There was some good that happened. Uh, specifically, what do I have? Five things. Cool. Uh, no, f uh, six things. Look at that. So first of all, homelessness fell in the United States by 35% ever since 2007. So thanks, Obama. Uh, also, 2015 was America's most generous year ever with charitable, charitable donations from individuals, estates, foundations, and corporations reaching record highs. This year, all the data is not in yet, but this year is actually on track to be even bigger. So while it seems like we're, you know, becoming more self-centered, maybe we're not crazy 3d printing okay this is what i'm really cool about because you know we're talking about a tesla right talked about tesla at the beginning of the podcast uh i want to 3d print a car i think that'd be cool but 3d printing got got really neat this year now they're talking about 3d printing organs which uh you know the year i become an organ donor they don't even need them um you also don't want my organs i don't know they're they're like they're like generic name but 3D printing is becoming really cool. My university actually just opened up in our library a 3D printing lab, although I think that they are, I don't know the term. Okay, racist means that you're discriminatory against race. I think maybe degreeist because they are discriminatory against degrees. Uh, you have to be an engineering or a science or like one of it. You have to be a, a STEM major to use 3D printing unless you like take trainings in a class and all this stuff that I don't have time for, uh, but I would like to 3D print something. I don't know, maybe a maybe a um, maybe a life. Can you 3D print a life? Can you 3D print, you know, money? I don't know. Someone tell me. Someone tell me. Generation Z uh, is actually making waves as well. In case you don't know, Generation Z, and I hate all these new generation titles and it just children in general i dislike them i except for the good like i like the good ones i don't like the bad ones i'm very like get off my lawn you're you're you know decreasing my property value type but what i will say is that generation z there's been a lot of research being put into them and they are the generation right behind me i guess they they're described as coming of age during the great recession so i think the top tier of generation z Generation Z, yeah, is like 19 years old, which is only two years behind me. Uh, and they are being described as th really interesting when compared to millennials and compared to baby boomers uh, because they are described as not overly loyal to brands. So in other words, they don't really care as much about brand names, which means that they actually make cheaper buying decisions is kind of interesting. Like I said, they grew up in the Great Recession, so they're used to uh, kind of finances, not necessarily being tight, but being more concerned with finances. Um, and also what this has led to is a change in the American dream. And we've already seen this with millennials. We already see that that uh, that, that the youngins nowadays um, have a different idea of the American dream. It's no longer, you know, buying a house when you start a family and, and having the family and the mom stays at home and does the work and 
I don't know, you have a dog or a cat if you're into useless things. And so now, you know, millennials and Generation Z have started to realize, well, that's not as financially feasible. Um, also, women are working more, obviously. Um, and so the American dream is starting to change. And I really think for Generation Z, um, what they are facing, I read a New York Times report recently, and we did uh, an article response to this on Outset by Katie Moyer, a wonderful piece. Uh, or I'm sorry, no, by, by Angela Morabito. And uh, I get I get people mixed up all the time. Um, and we did it. We did a great piece on how the American dream is changing. And the reality is, is that millennials and Generation Z are going to be the first generation to earn over their lifetime less than their parents generation. And so that's changed a lot of these uh, Amer- a lot of what is involved in the American dream. Right. So it's, it's not necessarily a dream about buying a house. It's an American dream about affording an apartment. It's not an American dream about getting married by by 25 and starting a family as young. It's, it's more of a dream of like, you know, getting up in your career, maybe starting a family at 30. I don't know what people are doing these days. Um, but so it, it's interesting. And, and Generation Z has been making um, waves this year because they think that Generation Z will actually be the people who will save the economy, who will save um, the country and kind of steer us in a more physically responsible way, which I think is really exciting because it provides an opportunity for people on the right to push physical conservatism and the merits of that and the value in having a strong, uh, a, a strong physically conservative uh, set of policies. And so I think there, there's a great opportunity there in the world of politics. Um, so, you know, maybe the youth aren't that bad. I don't know. I was walking around the mall recently. I will say that the youth of today, they're smaller. They look like quite literally fetuses. Feti? Fetuses. Multiple fetuses or feet. They look small and they look childlike and, uh, and and they wear the weirdest clothes. Apparently ripped jeans are coming back into fashion. I've never understood the idea of I'm going to go buy a brand new pair of jeans, but I want them to look like someone fell down multiple times. When are we going to, maybe grass stained jeans are going to be the next trend. Maybe we're going to start buying jeans that just have, you know, green grass stains on them. Maybe some oil stains. Maybe you can start buying shirts with with food stains already on them. Maybe we're entering into an era of fashion where the it's like what what would they call it? Slob chic, homelessness chic. I don't know. I don't know. But I walk around Urban Outfitters nowadays and I don't know what the hell's going on. Because apparently, as I was told, dressing uh, with jeans and a button-down shirt means that you're dressing up. God, I'd hate to see what people say if you wear a tie around these parts. It's also It may also just be the fact that I'm spending the holidays in Houston, and Houston is just a weird place. You think your hometown is weird. Mine, for sure, is weird. All right, let's do some uh, let's do some predictions real quick because I think 2017 is going to be a great year, and let me tell you why. Because January 1st starts on a Sunday, which means that we get like the perfect 
calendar. It starts at the beginning of the week. And I know most of you probably don't get excited about that, but I love a good calendar and I love it when it syncs up. So I think 2017 is going to be great. This is going to be the year that Baron Trump is going to overthrow his father. Uh, although, well, I, I'm not too sure on that because I think that Baron Trump is at least going to begin the military coup that will overthrow his father. I don't know if he will officially overthrow him this year. It'd be kind of messed up to overthrow him in his first year. Maybe like a second or third. Maybe maybe 20, 2019 is when he will officially overthrow his father. But nonetheless, I think I think 2017 is when he's going to start the, the framework of a Baron Trump dictatorship, which could be good news, could be bad news. I hear he's very good with computers. I also think uh, this is the, the year... Um, that, well, like I said, I already had my, my, my fashion trends for the year. I'm, I'm projecting it. Call me up, GQ, is going to be grass-stained jeans in addition to, to ripped jeans. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, I don't really know. I don't know. I, I do know that 2017, I'm going to buy another cactus. I'm going to try not to kill it this time, which I didn't know you could kill a cactus, but apparently you can. Apparently cacti. See, I know that's plural. Apparently, cacti um, are extremely killable when you... Um, I don't know what I did wrong. Maybe I overwatered it. Maybe I didn't give it enough sunlight. Either way, my cactus is dead, but it doesn't look dead. It still looks like it's just living life to the fullest. So I'm going to keep it around for a while, but I am going to get a new one this year. Uh, maybe I'll get a, a fake cactus because... That's the ultimate sign that you don't know how to live life. You don't know how to take care of anything when you have to have a fake cactus, the fake version of something that is supposedly impossible to kill. Oh, I've made it. I was raised so well. Um, so those are my predictions for the new year. I, I don't have many. I don't know. Tweet me yours. I'm interested in seeing what you think will happen in 2017. Also tweet me when you think Baron Trump will officially take over uh, the presidency, soon to become the dictatorship from Donald Trump. Uh, what I will say is that uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen underscore Perkins, Facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. That's Stephen with a PH. And it's not pronounced Stefan. If you need backstory on that, go to uh, last week's episode. Uh, so I, I will have uh, an episode next week. I, I'm not sure. I might be talking to a friend. I might have an interview lined up. Either way, before the inauguration, I'm going to have some, um, some, some highlights of the Obama years. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the interesting. So until that time next week, take care. God bless. Have a happy new year.